And the title of this message is Holiday Inn. And of course, the text is Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 20. Now, I want to show you a scene from a classic Christmas uh, movie, and it is one of my favorites, and maybe it's one of yours. So if you'll show this uh, little clip uh, up there for me. How many of you saw that film at least once this uh, holiday season? It was on several times. All right. Many of you did. You would think that that song, White Christmas, was first introduced in that movie, uh, in that film, but not so. Uh, It, uh, that, (laughs) yes, that disappointed her, but it's the truth. that film was produced 12 years after the song White Christmas was written. White Christmas was wit- written and first performed 12 years prior to the movie White Christmas. Anybody know the name of the film that it was produced in? Leslie, what was it? Holiday Inn. <clears throat> That's exactly right. Now, we rarely see even a dusting of snow here in Tallahassee, but we find ourselves romanced by the idea of a white Christmas. And so even though the day is now past, uh, for a few final minutes, I want us to think about the first Holiday Inn. And I don't know how Holiday Inn was named, but it sure would be cool if it was named after uh, the inn in Bethlehem. But the first Holiday Inn is the one where Mary and Joseph couldn't find a room. So they made do in a stall just outside of the inn where there was no room. Here's a little history on Christmas. Pope Julius I authorized December the 25th to be celebrated as the birthday of Jesus, and he did that in A.D. 353. Charles Fallon then lit candles on the first Christmas tree in America in 1832. Now, it's been a long time since 1832, longer still since uh, A.D. 353, but even longer still since that dark uh, night brightened by a star in which Jesus, the King, was born. Each year on December the 25th, we celebrate the most famous guest who's ever gone to a Holiday Inn, and that's what we want to do today on this final Sunday of the year. Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was first, this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. 
and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to be uh, to give birth, and she gave uh, birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling, swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn, that holiday inn that I mentioned. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, <clears throat> shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Uh, peace among those with whom he is pleased. In the KJV it says, peace, goodwill among men. When the angels went away from them in heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But that Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for, they, <clears throat> for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Every year on Christmas Day, before we open any presents or anything like that, uh, we, uh, ever since uh, our children have been born, so Nathan is now 37, so for 37 years or longer, uh, we have read this passage of Scripture or uh, a portion of this passage of Scripture. Uh, This year, our grandson Bradford uh, read uh, Luke chapter 2 for us and and, uh, did a great job, and it was sure a blessing to our heart to hear our grandson read that. And then we have prayer, thanking the Lord for His goodness to our family, and then uh, we will open the presents, and it's total chaos uh, uh, from that time uh, forward. On this night that we've just read about, the first thing that strikes me is that Jesus was born in the busiest of times. Verse 1 again, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was a census, just like we have a census that's taken ever a few years. This was a census ordered by Caesar Augustus. And in this census, different from ours, you return to the city of your birth rather than your place of current residence. Our census finds out where people are and where they're living today. But in uh, the birth of the time of the birth of Jesus, they went back to where their original residence was, where they were born, or at least the man in the family. And this, of course, crowded the streets of Bethlehem. And we know that it crowded uh, the Holiday Inn because there wasn't a room in the Holiday Inn for uh, Jesus uh, and, or, or for Mary and Joseph and then Jesus who would be born. On that uh, holy night, it was a world busy doing worldly things. They were traveling. 
They were counting. They were meeting up with old friends. And the part that Joseph, Mary, and the baby played was seemingly insignificant uh, in comparison to what was going on in the rest of the world. It just seemed to be small, and it was almost unnoticed until something really unusual happened. During the days leading up to Christmas, we actually, uh, I think, do a pretty good job of duplicating the scene at Bethlehem because the scene at Bethlehem was a real hustle and a real uh, bustle. And that's the way we are. We people traveling, and uh, <clears throat> this is the first year in 24 years that we have not uh, gone to Nashville after Christmas. And uh, uh, normally I have Jesse or, or one of the other uh, uh, members of the pastoral staff to preach on this Sunday so that I don't have to see this. But uh, just kidding. Uh, well, I'm really not kidding. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> uh, we used to call Brother Brooks Doc Holiday because he always spoke on, uh, <clears throat> on the holidays. But, uh, but anyway, we are, are like that. We, we would travel. Or people are, are meeting up with family and friends and and uh, my wife, uh, I, I wish you could see Mrs. Ray as we ramp up uh, to actual Christmas Day. It's, it's like it gets busier and busier, and, and she wraps the gifts, and, and she does such a, a good job with that. And, and she cooks, and, and this year she made something she's never made before, and it was really, really good. It was uh, a cake that's uh, a South American or a Central American cake. It's called Tres Leche. And uh, if, if you have never had tres leche cake, uh, you can eat it with a truck parked on your foot. I'll tell you, it's just outstanding. And uh, she did a really, really <clears throat> good job with that. But, but watching her kind of would remind you of Bethlehem and the hustle and the bustle and all of the, the movement. At the Holiday Inn, <clears throat> it was a busy time. Uh, in verses 4 and 5, we see that Mary and Joseph were uh, fitting into the requirements of the world uh, and though they were on a mission of enormous importance, they lived life as anyone else would. Verse 4, and Joseph also went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. They were, as, as we often say, they were in the world, <clears throat> but they were not of the world. And I think that's where most of us find ourselves on occasion. We should find ourselves there on more than occasion. Uh, there is a purpose inside of us that is defined, that is definitely different from the world around us, yet we still navigate the world that we live in. We still navigate life in this world, even though we have a part of us that is not of this world. And like those people of faith in Hebrews 11, uh, we are pilgrims and strangers in this world. Mary and Joseph were far from home. They were unable to, to sleep inside the Holiday Inn with the other guests, and they were probably a little frightened by all of the people and the stir that was around them. However, they found the place of God and the peace of God at the Holiday Inn just outside in a stable on this silent night. And you can find uh, that peace uh, during this time of year. Senator John McCain of Arizona was a prisoner of war in, in Vietnam, and he was shot down and held as a prisoner of war in Hanoi from 1967 to 1973. 
and I think he's truly uh, an American hero. Uh, when I was, uh, uh, he said, when I was being mistreated by the North Vietnamese, many times I find myself asking to live just one more minute rather than one more uh, hour or one more day. And I know I was able to hang on longer as a prisoner of war because of the spiritual help that I received through prayer. At Christmas, I was the room chaplain, not because of my excessive virtue, but because I knew all of the prayers that uh, went with a church service since I had been in boarding school and was an Episcopalian. We asked for a Bible, and the Vietnamese said they didn't have any. Later, we learned that they had thousands of Bibles that had been sent to us. Four days before Christmas, I was told that I could copy prayers and stories from the only Bible the Vietnamese had available. Our service consisted of a biblical passage read by me, followed by an appropriate song by the choir. I talked about the birth of Christ, and the choir sang Silent Night. I looked around the room, and there were tears in those men's eyes. They weren't tears of anger or fright or sorrow but, or, or bitterness, even longing for home. They were tears of joy that, for the first time in seven years, for some of them, there was a celebration of Christmas together uh, as Americans. And there is a time of of peace in the middle of chaos. There is a time of of joy in the middle of sadness. And that comes with the joy of Christmas. And like Mary and Joseph, Senator McCain found uh, peace in a place that was far from home and unwelcoming to say the least. And for the earthly parents of Jesus, it was a busy time. But on that silent night, a baby was born. A baby was being born at the timing of God. Luke chapter 2 and verse 6, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. This baby was, of course, Jesus, the holy son of God. And looking at his eternal watch, Jesus said, well, or the father said, it's time for my son to be born. It's time for my gift to the world to be unwrapped. Babies come at the the timing of God. You just met little Avery. Uh, For God, uh, the timing for her in the eyes of God was November the 17th. She was due about a month later, and, uh, but she was born on November the 17th. And it was <clears throat> in the timing of God and, and her mom, uh, who is out with Avery now and, and I, I suppose in the cry room, her, her mom is, re- I, I have such admiration for her. I've told you this before. Her mom is is gave birth to that child and and as she had given birth to Emerson as she had given birth to Avery it just really touched our hearts because of the the preparation and the care and the anticipation that both she and Paul had given to this baby but the baby came at God's timing the baby didn't come at at her timing or at Lindsay's timing the baby came at God's timing. And so it was with Jesus. The gift that Jesus was, the gift of Jesus was a gift for the ages. 
It was a gift for eternity. Charles Dickens once wrote, it is good to be children sometimes and never better than at Christmas when its mighty founder was a child himself. In verses 8 through 12, the birth announcement went out, uh, of, and, and the notice was given of the newborn Savior. In verse 11, for <clears throat> unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now the reason the world <clears throat> needed a Savior is because the world was lost. If the world wasn't lost, the world wouldn't need a Savior. <clears throat> but the world did need a Savior. I can't remember too many times in my life, maybe if any, uh, as an adult traveling, being absolutely lost. I, I had some sense of the direction that I was going and some sense of how to get there. And, and I've, I've never been <clears throat> without uh, hope. But this, this baby that was uh, born, this baby born uh, in, in Bethlehem in the Holiday Inn or just outside of the Holiday Inn was born because I would be, when I was born, hopelessly, helplessly lost. And I was born <clears throat> lost. And I realized that I was lost at age uh, eight. And at age eight, I was found by Jesus. I was the little sheep that had gone astray. And Jesus found me at age eight. And I, I became, to, instead of a safe sheep or a lost sheep, I became a saved <clears throat> sheep. And I had to rely on someone else uh, to find me and to lead me out of my condition. And that someone else was Jesus. For some of you, you found Jesus as an adult. Others found Jesus as a teenager. Some of you, like me, found Jesus as a child. Getting lost today is a little different than it used to be. In fact, this may be one of the reasons that it's a little tougher to see people saved today, because people rarely have a sense of being lost today. People rarely know what it means to be lost, <clears throat> because there are a lot of ways to find your way home. In Florida, for instance, uh, we have call boxes. Um, if, if you're out on the road and you have a problem and, and you're lost or you're broken down or whatever it may be and you can get near a call box, you can, you can <clears throat> make a, a call on a call box. Now, they're actually a, that system's a little antiquated now, and the reason is because uh, there are other ways to find yourself, uh, your way home. Uh, if you have a, a General Motors car, you might have something called OnStar. And you, you push that OnStar button and you tell them, well, <clears throat> I don't really know where I am, but I do know where I want to go. Can you get me from where I am to where I need to go? And they'll say to you, well, sure, we can get you there. And then they will set up what they call turn-by-turn -turn navigation. And you'll take a turn here just when they tell you and a turn there and, <clears throat> and so on. Uh, some of you have navigation on your car. You don't really need OnStar. You've already got navigation. You can put in the address and uh, punch a button, and it will calculate how you need to go from where you are and take you. Some of you have both. And if you don't have either of those, if you have a smartphone, <clears throat> you've, you've got a, uh, some sort of a, a droid device, or you have a, an iPhone, an iOS system uh, in your smartphone, you can uh, turn on the location services, find where you are, tell where you want to go, and, <clears throat> and there it is. So we, we find out that, that we can get home many ways. There's only one home, but there are many ways to get home. I live on Centennial Oak Circle. 
But there's many ways for me to get to Centennial Oak Circle from wherever I am. Uh, and, and I know that there are many ways for me to get there from where, wherever I am. However, there is one home through which there's only one way. There's no other way. There aren't, uh, on, there's not OnStar and, and GPS, and there's, you can't find it on your smartphone. Well, you can if you have a Bible app, but uh, you, you don't get there uh, by your smartphone. You, the, the only way that you can get to the Father is to, uh, at, to come through Jesus Christ. The only way that the lost can be saved is to come through Jesus Christ. With, with all of the innovations and the technology and, and the, the, uh, in the world today, <clears throat> the way to God has not changed. It was so technically and, and uh, efficiently designed at the beginning that it has not changed, not one little bit. And we still come to Jesus the exact same way. And it was and is and will ever be the baby born in Bethlehem who lived to die for our sins. In John fourteen six, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The birth announcement went out that a baby was born. Uh, he was the Savior of the world. And on that silent night at the Holiday Inn in a busy time, a baby was born, and then the celebration began. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a host of heavenly, uh, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Have you ever been in a, a place or a, a church service where everyone was rejoicing? I, I dare say that you haven't. Uh, it'd be something to be somewhere where everyone was rejoicing at the same time, but it's not always that way. It's just not. It'd be great to say, I went to a place today and everybody was happy. What do they say that the happiest place on earth is? They say it's Disney World or Disneyland, right? You ever been to Disney World or Disneyland? Some of the worst fusses and fights you'll ever see is in the happiest place on earth. I mean, people just absolutely come unglued. But wouldn't it be a great thing to, to go to a place where everybody was happy at one time? No struggling, no bitterness, no unhappiness, no fear. Well, on this night... Everyone, at least everyone who knew, rejoiced. Everyone in heaven rejoiced. They rejoiced because of a birth. And let me just tell you this. Heaven still rejoices because of a birth. Just so I tell you, there is a joy before the angels of God over one sinner that repents. There was rejoicing, and the people came running. The Bible says in Luke 2, 16, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. It's an interesting thing that the announcements first went to the shepherds. They were the very first ones to hear. There was a survey that was done, and nearly a third of the people questioned said that of all the people in the Christmas story with whom they could identify, they identified the most with the shepherds. The shepherds were the ones that they, they really identified with. They, they said they were average, ordinary, everyday working people, and they had been invited to see the king of kings, and they felt like, you know, I'm just like the shepherd. 
the shepherds were people like us, like you and me. And, and the good thing is they came running uh, to the manger. I love this commentary. Now, this was written by somebody else, somebody a lot smarter than me. Here's what they wrote. Had the angels gone to the theologians, they would have first consulted their commentaries. Had he gone to the elite, they would have looked around to see if anyone was watching. Had he gone to the successful, they would have first looked at their calendars. So he went to the shepherds. Men who didn't have a reputation to protect or an axe to grind or a ladder to climb. Men who didn't know enough to tell God that angels don't sing to sheep and that messiahs aren't found wrapped in rags and sleeping in a feed trough. So, while the theologians were sleeping and the elite were dreaming and the successful were snoring, the meek were kneeling. They were kneeling before the only uh, one, the, uh, they were kneeling before the one that only the meek will see. They were kneeling in front of Jesus. These were the shepherds. They were the ones who heard the angels saying, glory to God in the highest. They came to him because their hearts were hungry and they came for the good news of God's righteousness and the birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, blessed are they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. One thing is for sure, the hunger of the shepherds that night, well, that was filled. And you know what happened next, don't you? Those shepherds went out and they told everybody. Luke chapter 2 and verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherd told them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Well, there it is. They told everybody, didn't they? Or maybe they didn't tell everybody. Maybe there's still people to tell. And you know who was given that assignment? You were. So was I. That comes to me now. I'm supposed to tell everybody. We're not bearers of bad news. We're bearers of good news. We have good news and instruction, to, and, and we're supposed to tell it. You know where? Across the street and around the world. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In all of their celebration, there was a a new mother who was taking this in. Just like Lindsay takes in those private moments with Avery. There's nothing like the mother and the child. Last night, Avery had settled down and and I was, and and she had her eyes open and Paul said, Dad, she's got her eyes wide open. You want to hold her now? I said, I sure do. And I held her and her little eyes, the, the Christmas tree was at my back and her little eyes fixed on those lights and she looked at them for a while. Then she got a little tired. And so I leaned the chair back and I laid her over on my chest and I put my 
chin, all of them, (laughs) on her little head. And she slept there for a while. But then she squirmed after about 40 minutes or so. And when she squirmed, I began to see she's going to need somebody else. And I said, Lindsay, can you help me? And she said, oh, sure, I can help you. And Lindsay took her, and as soon as Lindsay took her, she quietly settled into her mother's arms. Just like Jesus quietly settled into the arms of Mary. And Mary treasured those things in her heart. Well, on Friday, we celebrated this silent night at the Holiday Inn. And we'll move on now. We'll move on to the new year. And uh, we'll start 2016. It'll be an eventful year. We'll see more born. We'll see more pass. But it'll be a year to come, 2016. Here's what I hope we don't move away from. I hope we don't move away from that silent night at the Holiday Inn. And I hope we'll celebrate all of Jesus as often as we can and often as we will. Celebrate the baby Jesus. Celebrate the growing Jesus. Celebrate the carpenter Jesus. Celebrate the teacher Jesus and the preacher Jesus. Celebrate the miracle worker, Jesus. Celebrate the crucified, Jesus. Celebrate the risen, Jesus. And all year long, may we treasure them in our hearts, and may we tell it wherever we go.